Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings. Every week here on the show, we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. Ben and I thank you for joining us. This week, I am excited to bring you a conversation with Kelly and Juliet Starrett, authors of the new book, Built to Move. Kelly and Juliet are CrossFit OGs and world-class thinkers and trainers. In this conversation, we get into the 10 vital signs of durability, the power of walking more, and what it means to rewild the body, and much, much more. Before we dive into the show, if you are not yet subscribed or following wherever you are watching this or listening, please do. It'll help ensure you do not miss another episode. All right, without further ado, here is our conversation with Kelly and Juliet Sturrett. All right, my friends, thank you both uh, for joining us here on the show. Congratulations on the book. It's fantastic. I've been, uh, and I know Ben has as well, been telling everybody to pick it up and get it. Um, I wanted to start with a really big, broad question. And, and it was something from the the introduction that really popped out at me. And it really kind of serves, I think, as a foundation to the book itself. But I thought it was such a wonderful way to put it, which is this concept of rewilding the body. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that means and why perhaps you use that kind of language to springboard into these 10 vital signs? Swing it, Jay. No, I'm waiting for you All to right. swing it. This is your one chance. Here's, here, here we go. How much time do we have? So, <laughs> you know, I, I think what's really interesting is in the last decade, 15 years plus, we have gotten really good at developing capacities in human beings. I mean, fitter, stronger, more skilled. It's it's bananas, particularly in this community. We really have seen just a complete wholesale transformation of what is possible and how much volume an athlete can handle. Yeah, it's bonkers. But that doesn't necessarily speak to a body that can, you know, be durable at that level forever, necessarily, particularly. But really what we want everyone to understand is that that wasn't just circus. What we realized out of there, of working with all of these athletes in these incre- incredible sort of environs, is coming back to fundamental truths about the things that our bodies do. Now, the original sort of idea of CrossFit functional fitness was that I trained for something, that I didn't have to eat a lot of extra food. I didn't actually have to burn a lot of extra time and calories in the gym so I could go out and still have a life outside the gym. And subsequently, we lost that message a little bit and we got into, well, how far can we take this thing? And and we've learned so much from it. I, we, we can't know what we know today unless we actually rode this wave all the way to, to the beach, which we have, and in turning it into the hyper sport. But the rest of us who aren't in that top echelon of humans, seeing how many muscle snatches we can do and muscle ups we can do have sort of forgotten that the goal was not to be better in the gym better in these, you know, really kind of artificial domains. I crush you on the concept two bike. I can get extra calorie pull-ups are a poor, poor surrogate for real sport and experience. The idea was that we were training for something. Well, it turns out that rewilding now can, we can expand, not just, just, can you move more effectively in your environment, but what are all the other things that we all know as coaches, particularly that support that person being a person in their community. How do I get more sunshine? How do I have deeper interpersonal relationships? How do I self-soothe and, and set up a set of behaviors that actually help me to sleep? How do I think about 
how do I organize my world environs so that I feel better so that I can then go out and do something else. And I think that's the idea of rewilding. We've, we've really lost sort of the, the, the central concept of what it meant to be humans and why we were training in the first place. I love that. It's a, um, I couldn't agree more that we, the, the whole idea behind this thing was a general fitness preparedness program so that you could then go out and learn and play new sports that you could have your job that required functionality that you could then go and do your other things. And I think it still serves that purpose, but I, sure. I think it, it, yeah. And it, it, it's, but kind of like lost in the, cause we've, we've dug that trench so deep in such a crazy way that we kind of lost the view across the horizon a little bit and going like, well, this could also serve us in this way as well. And I, I, you know, our message at our gym is very different than the message we do when we work with elite athletes. And it's for sure, it's kicking ass into our nineties. That's the deal. Like that's the thing that I want to be doing more than anything else is be able to make sure that I have that level of functionality today, tomorrow and next decade. And for the, the, the totality of my life. And that's what, I know you guys are kind of motivated by now and um, – but it's interesting. I just want to like – before we get into the actual like book and the tests and all that cool stuff, which is a really cool way that you guys laid that out, where did you guys um, – what pulled you back? I don't know if that's the right term because you guys have been worked with the elite athletes in our sport, world champions, NFL teams, NBA teams. You guys have been at the upper echelon of the upper echelon. What's got you to this place where it's like, whoa, yes, but let's talk about this thing that all of us can and should be pursuing. You know, I'll take that. I think it was really two things. I mean, the first was owning a CrossFit gym for a long time and realizing that the vast majority of people that come to a CrossFit gym are like weekend warrior type athletes whose sole goal is just to feel good in their body and, you know, be able to move and, you know, maybe, maybe get some PRs here and there, but you know, their main goal is just to be healthy and mm -hmm. fit. And, you know, that's kind of the sum total of their goal. And so we had sort of that view combined with the fact that like you guys, we are busy working parents. We live in a neighborhood of other busy working parents. We of hang mortal people of mortal people. We ha we have a lot of friends who aren't CrossFit people, and they're not you know they're not health and fitness enthusiasts. And you know right. a lot of them are I can't the, get them on the skier. Yeah, there's a lot of them are like the parents of our you know fr our friends you know our friends, and you know those people actually all really want to be healthy. But what that means to them is very different than maybe what it means to some of us who are mm -hmm. you know sort of hardcore health and fitness enthusiasts. You know they want to feel good in their body. They want to feel not gross. Um, you know, they want to live without pain and they want to be able to do the things they want to do just like you do until they're 90. Right. And, and that what, what they want to do may be so different than us. You know, Kelly and I are like you, like we have this goal at 80, we want to be able to mountain bike and ski, like no problem at 80. Like that's kind of our, you know, that's sort of our like moonshot, but we, we've spent a lot of time around these people. And what we really saw is that they're totally confused you know, even though we have, I think what we've done in our industry, you know, if we, if we consider ourselves to be the one percenters, we've made ourselves way better. Like we can track everything and we have learned and grown so much and optimized ourselves so much, but we have not cast a wide net. Like we've 
but you know, I would say besides the, you know, corner CrossFit gyms, we've done a terrible job of bringing people into this conversation. And so like you guys in our neighborhood, we're the people that our neighbors come to and say, Oh, I have back pain. What do I do? Or, Hey, should I try keto or intermittent fasting? Is that going to work for me? And you know, how, you know, they're just full of questions. How should I train? How much, how often I don't do CrossFit. Is it okay if I Zumba, right? Like it's, it's, we've become kind of the node in our community as I imagine you guys are. And what we realized is that there's nothing comprehensive out there to sort of hand to people to say, Hey, you know, these are the basic practices that we do that we find move the lever the most for us. And how can we share that and cast a wider net and bring more people into this conversation? And let me add that working in all of these outside CrossFit environments, these are the 10 behaviors that we start with. You know, you, st- you might start with psychology and mindset and community, but w- these are the, fi- cause I'm like, Oh, I have friends who are experts in that. I'm going to, we're going to pivot and really make sure that people are covering the basis so that they can then build elite performance on top of that. So as we've gone in, we were like, these are the hinges that have opened the biggest doors for our athletic populations. And now let's go ahead and see if we can also apply that thinking. So that laboratory of sport that we've all been in for the f- last 15 years, 20 years, actually mean something. We can transform our society and transform our communities and households. I have one last thing to add to this part of the conversation. You guys know owning a CrossFit gym that all you get in your clients is one hour of their time a day. And and as a coach, you may show up with this like super secret squirrel plan where you're going to do X, Y, and Z. And then your client shows up and they're hungover and they've been traveling for work and you know they tweak their back lifting their groceries and they have a baby. And turns out like all of your secret squirrel plan you're going to do with them, you have to completely change on the fly because again, you only get them for an hour and you don't have access to them for the other 23 hours hours. So we also wrote this book for coaches to say, Hey, you can, you know, do your level best to train these people during that one hour you get them at the gym, but they're out there trying to function in the world for 23 other hours. And like this book is the 23 other hours of the day. Love that. I, man, I feel like we just like, for people that don't, we didn't like, we just talked shop before we actually hit record on this (laughs) because We've been we've been buddies and known each other for a very very long time, and I feel like we just jumped into a lot of like formality talk, and I, that was weird. So I just need to like <laughs> pop that to the surface. Uh, yeah, I mean, because when you say you guys, like, yes, like Heather and I, we've known you guys for you know back. I think you know um, Kelly, you were saying one of the first mobility wad seminars you ever did was out here at CrossFit New England. You stayed at our house, and I can remember you working on my Achilles then, and like teach us about, you know, super buddy stretching and you had Maya walking on my back and it was like, it's like super cool. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, just to age us all a little bit, Ben, we've probably known you for like going on 20 years, right? Yeah. I and mean, it's getting crazy. close to 20 years. So, you know, I'm trying to remember when I, were- came out, I came out to, um, um, San Francisco CrossFit. And I, I can't remember when that was. It wasn't when you guys were in the, the early, early days of the, of the, the parking lot, you guys had the facility. Yeah, it was probably like was. 2015 or 2016 or something. I mean, I probably remember that. around that. Yeah, it was probably yeah. 15. It was probably was it the that. open going on there in San Francisco? That might have been it. Uh yeah, not sure. Um, anyway, let's. Uh, so, I, I I think it's phenomenal that you guys have taken this approach because, like you guys, yes, you guys have the neighborhood coming to you. Heather and I have been in this conversation where we, you know, we we are a little bit uh, like to a fault absorbed in our bubble. Like we just, it's our community. This is the people we hang out with. And 
when we get outside of it, it's kind of like, oh, okay. It's like, that's a big lift. It's a really getting those people up to speed is, um, it is a big lift. That's right. Yeah, it, it is. So, but it really changed when Maya went to college and she played, um, she plays, uh, we just talked about this before as well. She's playing lacrosse at UMass. And when she became that, when she went there, we started meeting all of her and we got engrossed in this community of all the other parents. And they, so we're spending every weekend with these other parents. And that's when it really was like, what do you guys do? Like, they're like, how can we do what you guys do? And we realized how the, the massive gap, because we, I can't go to those people, go to a CrossFit gym. I can, but they're not going to. So it's like, so there's a big gap there. And I really appreciate what you guys are, the approach you guys have taken to kind of like, I don't want to say normalize the conversation or lower the, that's not the right words, but I think it's what you, I think Kelly said is like, create a base, like a new place for us to enter into this. And that's where let's, let's get to that. What is that? Let's, we don't have to go step by step, but here's the 10 tests, but here's what I, I think it's really cool how you guys laid the book out. You don't need to read this thing straight through is, and I love that. I like, when I got it, I literally opened up and I was like, Oh, there's tests. Like, as a guy that wants to like see where I <laughs> well, stack you, up, you, you, let me let me jump in. You just hit on the most important thing, and one of the things that we valued in this greater community of strength coaches, particularly in CrossFit, was that we wanted proof. We needed to measure, yes, yeah. right. And what we realized in Supple Leopard was that the two objective measures there were range of motion unequivocal range of motion <laughs> like every like we don't yeah, need to zero or one zero or one and output can you go faster do you lift more weights do you create more wattage and by creating these vital signs with clear objective measurable components to things that are around your health and around your movement and the expression of that movement what we do is we help create sort of benchmarks for people to wrap their heads around so that it's not just like another thing you have to do because, I mean, otherwise I'm like, dude, you're never fit enough. You're never strong enough. Strength is never a weakness. You just are like, welcome to the cave and you open the door and the cave is forever versus saying, hey, as a person, let me go ahead and just create a line where I can say I'm above or below. And that really helps us to now normalize this greater conversation. That's not dieting and not training. It's all the other things. We, I really relate to what you're saying too, because actually many of these conversations we've had where we're kind of the node and people ask us questions, both our daughters play water polo. So we're like you guys, we spend our weekends like on the pool deck, you know, with parents of like varying degrees of interest in health and, you know, many of them struggling and wanting to feel better in their bodies. Hey, Juliet, how do I get your arms? She's like simple. That's where a lot of these conversations start. But you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys are like this. Like, I feel like I have this ability to meet someone and tell within like two minutes, whether they're a CrossFit person, whether they would take to and like CrossFit. Like I, yeah, like I can tell like within five seconds and, and the people who I do think they are, I'm immediately like, you should try CrossFit. Like this is clearly going to be for you. And then also I can immediately tell the kind of people who are not CrossFit people. Right. And so it's like, what do we tell those people to do? Right. And I think the word you were looking for when you're saying lower the bar is like, we've just tried to make it, make it accessible. Right. And I think that's yes. what's been missing is the accessibility where to start piece. and where to, where to fit start. into your life. Yep. Where to start and, and how to make it, like Kelly said, objective, you know? Yeah. And then from that, I like that. One of the things I appreciate about the test was it wasn't zero to one. It wasn't binary. It wasn't pass fail. You gave some scales. Like if you're going to sit on the ground cross-legged and stand up, well, if you need to 
I forget what the actual ones were, but put your hand down or use a support or go to a knee. That's like, here's a minus one, minus one, minus one. If you lose your balance, it's a minus. So you kind of get to this point. You're like, oh, it's like any, like for, I didn't get a 10 the first time I tried it. I lost my balance. So I was like, I'm going to work on that. It's kind of cool. We're still teaching squatting mobility and all these you, years later. you know what's interesting is like we we're trying to make this thing called the 10 out of 10 club because you know um we think that there are a lot of people who are very athletic and and many of us who are health and fitness enthusiasts we've gotten sort of obsessed with like the shiny objects of health and fitness like tracking but and have real blind spots yeah but we have real blind spots when it comes to the basics because we have access to all this cool technology and cool stuff and so um you know we we challenge everybody to try to be in the 10 at a 10 club and my guess is you know even the most athletic amongst us will not be who here's an example for everyone in who's training and in this world, if you put down the Watt bike or the assault bike next to a rowing machine, everyone is going to always choose the assault bike 100% of the time because it is easier, requires less range of motion, less is that skill. true? I feel like I would choose the rowing machine. Well, you're, you're a psychopath. <laughs> Says you, a girl who spent sure? like like 30 years in a boat <laughs> rowing. Yeah, I was like, yeah, rowing a boat. And, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, everyone point. knows. Fair when, point. When Caroline was born, Julia got a new rower for a push present. You're welcome. Oh, thank you. Because I'm the yeah. best husband. Thank you. <laughs> so that makes me feel How uncomfortable. How long ago was that, Kelly? 14 years ago. Which yeah, is another still, still, call, still calling on that present. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, yeah, that thanks, gift, remember that gift remember I that? gave you 14 years ago? Remember how you Best husband me? ever. Oh, Best you, husband wait, ever. Wait, winning, I, winning. I just had a baby and you gave me a rowing machine? Yeah. It's like a, the worst first Peloton yeah, ad. It's, like, it's, like, it's like, you're like, I'm so happy like we got married the next day giving her like a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, don't tell people that out loud, actually. Don't tell people. It gives them the wrong impression. <laughs> we'll be back to the show in just a minute. We are brought to you this week by our friends at Element. If you head to drinkelement.com slash excellence and order yourself some salty goodness, they will throw a little bonus treat in the mail just for you. What is Element? It's a tasty science-backed electrolyte drink with a ratio of 1,000 milligrams sodium, 200 milligrams potassium, and 60 milligrams magnesium, and importantly, none of the junk fillers and sugar that many of the other electrolyte drinks and mixes on the market try to sneak past you. Element was started by Rob Wolf, who's been on the show before. When he found himself bonking in workouts and training sessions, despite being hyper aware of his nutrition and recovery, it was only when he DIY'd his first batch of Element with enough of these key nutrients that he was lacking did his energy increase and his fatigue fade away. Now, Element is enjoyed by professional athletes, Navy SEALs, hard chargers, and podcast hosts alike. And right now, you can get yourself a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packs for free with any Element order. A great way to taste all eight flavors before you stock your house full of your favorite flavor. Just head to drinkelement.com slash excellence to get the deal. Again, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash excellence. If this is um, an accessible approach to um, health, what are some of the, like, the, the parameters that we're going to say – we need this capacity to consider ourselves healthy. Let, let me uh, frame this up. If you jump into the book, you'll see that the vital signs are sort of categorized into a few buckets. Um, if you are on one hand, we've got some environmental behaviors. So we can call those physical practices or physical behaviors like sleep, uh, 
like getting enough fruits and vegetables and fiber. Thank you, E.C. Sinkowski, 800. Um, we've got, you know, a whole host of tests there. But then we've got a couple tests that look at how well you move and how you're controlling. We've got some great balance tests in there. Chris Hinshaw's old man balance test, Y balance test, standing on one leg, eyes closed, balance as a, as a chapter. We've also got like this, we opium by punching the face with this sitting sit up and rise that, test. sit and rise <laughs> test because it really is shocking to most people in our neighborhood that they can't do it. Right, they're like, wait, 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 and we're like, hey, no big deal. Don't worry, that's tough for you. The number one reason people end up in nursing homes is they can't do this test. Oh, you can't do this test, and you're forty. It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. So, <laughs> you know. And then the last bucket. The future is, is bright for you. It's totally yeah. fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> we we haven't run this experiment at all, and we don't know what's gonna the outcome is gonna be. But the last bucket are positions. You've seen that we've snuck all the archetypes into the language, all of the, the foundational shapes that we think humans need to expose themselves. They're all represented in the book. Hip extension, hip flexion, putting your arms over your head, having your arms up by your side, all of those things, shoulder extension, they're all represented there as sort of self-assessments of quick tests. And then our first order of intervention there is just exposure. We just need to get people starting to be exposed to those positions. So that's how you can kind of look through it. And to Juliet's point, while you may be crushing some of these, it turns out on some of the other more physical behavior, vital signs, you may have some blind spots. Yeah, I, I, I think as um, Juliet said as well, this can operate as sort of a, uh, a roadmap for coaches as well, like an assessment. Like, hey, where are we? Where, a behavioral like, assessment are, for uh, sure. Behavioral and positional is like – I like that. I've always – I've struggled. I've seen like, you know, I've done Ramwad and Gowad and they have all these different um, tests for hip mobility. But it, a lot of them require like a tape measure. It's like – Nonsense. Th- yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, like, sorry, I'm out. Like if you're going to make me go and walk and find a, a, a ruler, I'm not going to be doing that. And well, similar, it, it's, check this out. It, in, right. in CrossFit, you come into our gym. We're going to squat today. We're not going to do squat-like things. We're going to prep you for squatting. We're going to teach squatting. We're going to talk about all the things we want you to feel when you squat. But we're going to squat. Your squat may be two inches to a box. That's how high you squatted. You held a pink dumbbell at your chest, sir, and you squatted two inches, right? That's That was the depth. But we still squatted today. So in our experience, the first order of business is exposure. So exactly yeah, doing the thing. doing the thing. And so you can see that for the average person, what we've tried to really frame with this as, as you know better than anyone else, it is all about behavior modification and hacking people's day, the 24-hour cycle, and showing them that we're not going to give them another listicle, another – like here's another checklist of 50 more things, busy working mom who doesn't even – you know, who can't even think about eating a fruit and vegetable, right, or get enough protein. Let's make sure that we've shown you where you're going to integrate these things in. Exposure. Yeah. And I mean, I would say that's one of the things we, uh, this whole behavioral modification thing is one of the things we thought about the most with this book. And, you know, I really started thinking about this when I took John Berardi's precision nutrition classes years ago, you know, he, that his classes actually really don't have anything to do with nutrition. They're just all about how to get people to do things that, you know, get people to change their behavior. And so I learned a ton from those classes and, you know, also just trying to figure out what has worked in our life. Like what can we actually fit in on the fringes of our busy lives. You guys know, and we told people for years and years, like all the people we would know that own CrossFit gyms, we would say, hey, so just so you know, 
Like the moment you own a CrossFit gym is like the last time you're going to exercise. Just, just so you know, um, not, not really true, but <laughs> that's supposed to be a secret. Yeah. People not really true, but that. you're going to um, talk about exercise. You're going to do a lot of talking about exercise, but you know, again, like if you own a CrossFit gym, you still are trying to fit all these things in on the fringes, right? You're busy working. You're not spending your day training all day as you know, as people might think from the outside. And so we just spent a lot of time thinking about like, a, how do we fit these things into our, our own lives, our busy lives, time crunch, raising kids, spending the weekends at, you know, on the pool deck. And, and also, you know, how are simple ways that, that we can have people actually do these practices that are part of things they're already doing in their day? Because you guys know, as well as we know that we, we, and we, if we can't, we definitely can't ask other people to rely on willpower and motivation. So we've spent a lot of time setting up our own environment. So it's super easy to do the things we know we need to do without having to call upon willpower or motivation. And we learned a lot of this from you know, again, working in this athletic population field. So even just being gym owners, the one thing I didn't want to do was cut into my gym time. If you made it to the gym, I wanted to give you the best experience you could. I want to develop skills and capacities and get you strong. I want you to play. We want to compete, all those things. What I don't want to do is spend 15 minutes rolling on a foam roller in my class when we could be doing something else. I felt We always felt like that was a poor use of your time. Isn't that interesting coming from... Kelly Starrett of all people. I've only been saying that for 15 years. He has, but I think maybe do all people- your crappy soft tissue work at home. People like yeah. it, you know, get naked in front of your TV, get, get freaky. And you know, we think that that's the place where we saw, and we started seeing much better adherence. And some of that was, we have high level athletes coming in. We're talking about world champions, people like, you know, George St. Pierre, the Niners. We just, we saw a lot of people who are working with very full plates. That's no different than, the mothers and the fathers that were coming in who were maxed out. And so what we really tried to do to them and say to them is, Hey, where can we net up your behaviors, rewild your body, give you these sort of key inputs so you can actually get what you want out of your body, whether that's walking more or decongesting. But even with our athletes, you know, I didn't say, Hey, you're working with Ben, stop doing Ben's program. Come do this secret squirrel. Like the main thing was that's important to you. Good. Let, how are we going to work within the context of your day to support what it is you're already doing? And those, those fundamental behavior change sort of lens and looking at what is practicable is really the key and why I think this, this book really resonates with us as coaches. The other thing, the other reason we were so excited to start with the sit and rise test is the practices to get better for the sit and rise test are twofolds. First of all, it's just doing the thing, getting up and down off the ground sometimes. Let's do the squat. And then two, you know, just literally sitting in front of Netflix at night and spending a little bit of time, like sitting in 90-90 and changing positions and maybe, you know, getting into pigeon pose. Like it's just so accessible and can be, you know, we know every, I mean, I think the data is like people are watching on average three hours of TV a day. Like Ted Lasso. Everyone is, you know, no one wants to admit that, but they're doing it. Um, so we're, we say, okay, people are doing this and it's bringing them joy. So how can we sort of stack a behavior on top of a thing they're already doing that's going to help them improve without adding another thing? Because let's be real, you know, nobody's going to go to, most people are not going to at eight o'clock at night, you know, put on their yoga pants and drive to a one hour yoga class. Like there's going to be the occasional people who do that, but by eight o'clock at night, most people are burnt, you know, and if they can just get in 10 or 15 minutes of work. You ever done Ben Bergeron's programming? There's no time for yoga. You're smoked. (laughs) There's plenty of time for yoga pants though. There's plenty of time for yoga pants. Can I tell you something funny as a non sequitur, because you guys are OG CrossFit? Um, 
I'm sure you recall there was the time when all we wore as women in CrossFit was flare Lululemon yoga pants. They're flared at the bottom. Do you guys remember this? Mm-hmm. And they had like colored waistbands. Yep. And then they went out of style. So we sent them all to Goodwill, but like all fashion, they've now come back into style. And my daughters now buy them off of eBay. So mm-hmm. if I had just kept my bevy of 2010 no, let me, let me, Lululemon let me pants, like I would be the, the coolest mom ever. How <laughs> long did everyone on this call work with Reebok? For a long time. We sure. all had contacts with Reebok. Guess what the hottest shoe is at school right now? Some dad white Reebok shoe. That is the shoe. Like it is not even Reebok with the straps. It is like the most dad shoe Every girl, our daughters are like, hey, what about that Reebok deal? We're like, we worked with Reebok for 10 years. You couldn't give a crap. And suddenly, like, yeah. we're like so cool. It is killing us between Juliet's Lululemon pants and our Reebok shoes. We're like, kids, we were, you know how awesome we are? You have no idea. You know, I'm going to start wearing knee-high socks and physio tape all over my body again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and some and skins. Got, like the, the, skins, the, the, baby. Skins. Yeah, and yeah. then you're going to have your progenic shake, and you'll be like ready to roll. <clears throat> we have – this is like – by the way, we just lost like 80% of our audience. They have no <laughs> idea what we're talking about. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that they don't. <laughs> we'll be back to the show in just a minute. We are pumped to be brought to you this week by Ice Barrel. Head to icebarrel.com slash excellence to learn how you can get all the benefits of cold therapy at home, no matter how much space you've got, and save yourself $150 while you do. Cold immersion has a ton of benefits from improved mood and brain function to reduced inflammation to improved heart rate variability. And if those things don't matter to you, jumping into an ice barrel every day will undoubtedly make you way cooler than you would be otherwise. See what I did right there with cooler? Very clever. Listen, cold water immersion has been getting a ton of buzz these last few years and for good reason. If you want to try it for yourself, Ice Barrel is the way to go. We've got a great deal for you if you are ready. Go to icebarrel.com slash excellence and use the code excellence at checkout to get $150 off. Ice Barrel offers 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. So all you have to lose is the feeling in your fingertips for like just a couple minutes. Again, that's icebarrel.com slash excellence. Make sure you use the code excellence to save 150 bucks. One of the things I've heard uh, uh, you guys talk about as you're talking about this book out in the world is this concept of durability and building durability and and that being sort of the the mm. purpose, the point, the aim of uh, of these sort of this, these 10 practices. Can you talk a little bit about that as, a, as an, an end state? And where perhaps we collectively have maybe gotten distracted by something else that was that isn't durability that maybe got us to a place where we've forgotten that getting up off the ground is a is a pretty foundational and fundamental movement that we should be able to do. Like, what did we get distracted by, if not durability, in our pursuit of health, fitness, et cetera? We should define durability first as can you do what you want to do for as long as you want to do? And I, I think, you know, Juliet, when we were writing this book, really one day she was like, you know, in business, we set goals, mm-hmm. short-term goals, long-term goals, and we work backwards from there. And we do that in 401k in retirement. We do that in athletics. Like CrossFit games are on this day. We work backwards from that day. We have this many sessions. This is what we got to get done. Like it really is like that's the magic of any sport. This is the championship day. We have this 22 sessions. What are we going to get done? 
what are our goals? But no one does that and thinks about their, their brains and, you know, they don't think about their bodies and what that's going to look like. We always think that tomorrow we're going to be, have more willpower and we'll do the, do the thing. We'll eat better tomorrow. So one of the things we get when we focus on durability is a focus on all of the small behaviors that aggregate over time. Because if I crush my nutrition today and I get enough protein and I get enough fruits and vegetables and micronutrients and all the wonderful things that come with fruits and fiber, I'm like, yeah, I crushed it today, but like, I didn't win anything, you know, nothing like, you know, my hair didn't grow back, you know, I didn't, you know, (laughs) my wife was still like, did you empty the dishwasher? I mean, like nothing changes meaningfully. (laughs) And what we see though is what we're appreciating is that it's not just, and, and remember, we're in the Bay Area, so we're we're inundated with tech and distraction. Like the amount of like blow into this device will tell you how many carbohydrates you're burning. Like I'm like, how does that tr- change any of my fundamental fundational behaviors? DARPA came to the gym once, right, and they were like, "What is the most amazing technology you can think of for the future? Like nanobots in the blood?" And I was like, "Can you make it so people sleep?" And they were like, "What?" And I was like, "And you should probably have some Whole Foods when you on the battlefield." And they were like, "Wait, wait, what?" You know, we are Juliet and I now. I think are in a place where we couldn't even think about a conversation about durability when we were thinking in our thirties about winning world championships and helping our friends win world championships. But since then, we've had some joint replacements. One of us has had breast cancer. We've had parents get sick. We've had people get into car accidents. We've had stressful people, family members have died. There's a lot of things coming that isn't just about, can I be 105 years old and taking this reservatrol and doing this secret squirrel, you know, where my blood gets filtered. That has nothing to do with the day-to-day life. So thinking about what are the essential behaviors that build capacity and resilience because the shit is coming your way. If it's stress or, I mean, God forbid you're a young person, you have a baby and you decide not to sleep for a year, like whatever it is, we want you to roll into that state with as much reserve as you can manage. And then if you can squeeze exercise on top of it, cool. Yeah. And I think just to add, we latched onto the word durability because neither one of us really relate at all to the idea of longevity. Like we, I assume like you guys could care less if we live to be 105 years old, if the last 15 years of our life are spent laying in a hospital bed, like we have no interest in that. And so we really like the word, we prefer the word durability because basically, you know, our goal is to try to be able to be as functional as we can and then like drive off a cliff. Um, you know, that, that's sort of, we would rather feel good and be able to use our bodies and have a clear mind as long as possible, even if that means we only make it to 85. And I think most people feel that way. I think most people don't really care that much about living long. I mean, obviously there's, you know, some, again, some like, you know, like, you know, people in the tech space that are working super hard to figure out how to make people live longer. And it's very technical and that's cool. And I think we need that kind of innovation going on in the background. But again, that's not really realistic for like 99%. And it doesn't tell me what to do today. And it doesn't tell me what my kids should do today. I mean, you know, if we're applying these things to yourself or to your uncle or to your family member, right? Because we think the household is the critical unit of change. And if you have one interested person in health and fitness, that person becomes the super node, the super conductor, the super networker, where they can begin these, these conversations. But apply all the things we're talking about and then say, did my kids eat a fruit and vegetable today? Did my kids move, walk at all? Did my kids get minimum functional sleep? And what you'll see is, holy crap, you know, what's good for the goose is also good for the gander. And we're not thinking in terms of household health and household durability. 
Yeah. And I think you guys see this too. And I'm sure working with the high level athletes you do, you know, one of the challenges we have at the ready state is getting people to care about their mobility when they're younger, right? We get people to care when they get injured mostly. And then once they get injured and, and, or can't do the thing that they want to be able to do, like they care and then they become evangelists and practitioners. Right. So, so, but you know, we spent so long trying to get people to care before those things happen. And, you know, one of the, one of the things we think is, is starting to catch on a little bit is this idea of telling people to set those 5, 10, 15, 25 year goals and say, Hey, look, if you want to be able to do CrossFit or skiing or biking or whatever it is in five years, 10 years, 25 years, like you're going to need to keep an eye on these things right now. And that actually seems to resonate with some people. There's, um, I love that idea of like the essential behaviors that build resilience and the household is the, the, uh, critical unit critical unit of change. Those are, those are two phenomenal kind of concepts and the essential behaviors ones. Whenever I read something about how to extend lifespan to 150 years and the nano robots that are going to be, you know, cleaning up our blood in real time and take these pills and the precision nutrition and, cool. When that comes, sign me up and I'm up for it. (laughs) Yeah. Same with us. Exactly. Like like, we're ready. I'm ready for it. But like, what is it? What am I having for breakfast? Like that's, like that's the thing that we need to be doing right now. Are you eating breakfast? Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. What is what is your breakfast? Is it a 900 calorie cup of coffee with fat and MCT oil? Is that your jam? You know, like you're absolutely right. I think it is reasonable to say that as – look, we have all – Juliet and I have a conversation once in a while when we're sitting in the sauna looking at each other. And I'm like, what part of the fitness bullshit is my fault? What, what part of the noise have I created and do I own and what mess can I help clean up because I made it too complex too fast. And really, you know, if this is a trillion dollar business, trillion dollars, how's it going? Is your, are you, is your family less diabetic? Is your family less mm. obese? Are your cousins getting, you know, you're seeing ACL injuries because, you know, you have family members playing college level sports. It's bananas that everything that we care about, substance abuse, social isolation, all of these things are trending in the worst direction. So if Juliet and I are really honest, we're like, wow, we haven't done crap yet to actually transform our society or transform community. In fact, it all seems to be accelerating in a different way, which means maybe we need to think differently about the problem. Yeah. I, that's a cool perspective. And that's like, kudos to you for like being a, having that level of, um, ownership and interest in the solution. And the, the idea behind maybe we've created, we, you, me, everyone else has added a level of complexity that was unnecessary. Nothing in the book hit me harder than walking. Mm. Um, me too. I, yeah. Like <laughs> to me, uh, I'll be honest, like, the people, those who walk are, are those that can't run. Like that's, that was my, like, <laughs> we, dude, we, we got you. We, we I mean, yeah, we you, feel you. It wasn't very long ago. I'm like, what do you mean you can't power clean a hundred kilos? Like what's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, what are you like You're salad hands? I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? And now I'm like, what? Wait, 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 what? You, you know, I, th- we, I, think we I, was, on, I was on board with like, every, like I get it. Mobility check, fine yeah, positions, yeah. check, foundational movements, check capacity, Eat, sleep, um, connect with people, all of that stuff. Uh, the the one that's like you've 
like I'm I'm so grateful for it as well because I've I've I feel like I see the light a little bit better is um walking is not for just for those who can't run walking is has advantages that running does not have yeah i mean we um we're going around the world trying to make walking sexy so that's one of our missions in life mobility and walking we're going to we're going to we're going to make tens of dollars julia (laughs) (laughs) kids Um, you're going to community college a a couple things i'll start with you know if, if um if if People don't know if, if Kelly has a client that comes to see them for low back pain, he prescribes. Did you just refer to me as them. That's them, cool. Them come to see them. Yeah, Did I? Oh, God, I'm so progressive. Anyway, uh, Kelly prescribes three things. Uh, breathing. He teaches them how to breathe. He prescribes more walking and most likely some hip mobility stuff. And, and some sleep. Right? And, and some sleep. So those are kind of like the Kelly Starrett prescriptions for low back pain. Again, all of those are things that most people could do on their own without actually having to go see a physical therapist. They're things that they can no, do on their coach, own. No, your coach. Your coach can um, help you with this. But I mean, we can evangelize about walking for days. But another example is Kelly's done a lot of work with elite military units. And you can imagine that those guys are under a lot of stress and strain and you know, and maybe, train hard, train hard, maybe don't have the opportunity to get as much perfect sleep as those of us who don't do that do. And, you know, their prescription for guys who are having trouble falling asleep is actually to up their step count and walk 12 to 15,000 steps. That's their first order of operation. Because that's Delta because, Force. Because what they've realized is that while these guys may be training hard in a, in a like coherent block, they may actually not be gen- getting enough total movement in their day to actually trigger the need or desire to go to sleep when it's time to go to sleep. And so because Kelly and I are like literally obsessed with sleep, um, you know, we think it's sort of like the thing and uh, it's sort of sleep is like ev- all these other behaviors sort of fall underneath and fall into place once you're getting more sleep. And I think you guys probably agree, but you know, if there's one thing that people can do to actually fall asleep faster and sleep more deeply and get better quality sleep, it's walking. And that's not to mention that, you know, walking helps you clear out your lymphatic system and recover more from workouts. It's a very communal thing. People connect, you know, as Huberman says, you got to get some light on your face. It's a great way to get outside and get some sun on your body. Even know your neighborhood. And, you know, there's a lot of interesting research to show that to the extent walking is the same thing as like what they call non-exercise activity, that really that getting, you know, eight, 10, 12,000 steps a day for, for everyday people is actually like the difference between living a life where your weight is controlled and not controlled, that just that amount of additional activity is, is really what can, you know, swing the pendulum into living a life where you have a controlled weight versus struggling with your weight your whole life. So, um, you know, we're huge fans of a lot of us who, uh, train intensely or intently, we do it because it's a coping mechanism. We love it. It's our community, but also it's how I self-soothe. And one of the things that we're, we try to do this book is say, let's expand what the definition of training is. What is a physical practice? Well, I go to CrossFit. I'm like, okay, that's if I actually count the amount of seconds you're under load, it's, it's fewer than you think, right? I mean, remember when we first were presented with the zone and you were like, well, I CrossFit, so I must be a 26 block man, you know, and <laughs> turns out you're only burned an additional 200 calories. Like you need another yogurt with your CrossFit, you know? And I was like, this is bullshit. CrossFit's a lie. And um, <laughs> one of the things that 
<laughs> one of the things three that almonds, we, baby, three, three almonds. almonds. That's right. What we uh, what we saw was that you know when we expanded this conversation and we didn't take things away, but we just said, hey, look, on the days where we, we're parents and we end up at the track at you know at some random high school watching a water polo tournament, what we do is we're like, well. We got, we had to drop our kid off an hour. Let's go max out our steps. So we had to get up at 430 in the morning. We were trying, we've already Googled where the whole foods is. We're trying to just cover our protein and, and micronutrient basis. And then if we walk and sit on the ground, when we get home, there may not be time to exercise, but we have a complete day. We got sunshine. We interacted. We decongested. It allows us to keep a better readiness so that when it is an opportunity to smash ourselves, we're actually better off. And we don't completely have to write off the day and say, well, I had nothing happened. Like I burned a thousand calories. I got my hips open. I, you know what I mean? I sit on the corner of the pool and work on all of my ranges. So I'm just like, well, I'm stuck here watching my, you know, 14 year old play in the ODP. I might as well go ahead and just get some work done. And then that means I also don't feel bad about myself and I'm tired enough to go to bed. I, lo- I just want to like pull those. I, I think that's easy to pass over those things really quickly. You're at your kids' sporting games. You got some sun. You got some good quality food. You sat on the ground. Just so people like sit on the ground, find some different positions, 90-90, so- stretch out both your legs out in front of you, that type of stuff. Um, I, I walked. I intentionally walked and made sure I got enough steps and I connected with some people. That's a good. That's a good day. That, yeah, and, and like that's, it. and to me, like that's what health is, right? Like health isn't, we, we've, we've sort of defined health as like, did you smash yourself in the gym? But actually like, that's a really healthy day on so many yeah. levels, right? Yeah. And L- let me reframe this yet another way. If I'm this person who's only, sometimes I don't have an hour to train. You guys can relate to this. I got 40 minutes to sneak something in. And, you know, how long does it take to do Fran? Four minutes? So, I mean, I got a lot of time to mess around, right? Sorry. I know it takes you two minutes, Ben, but it takes me four minutes. So, I think it takes us like 25 minutes now. <laughs> so, only to set up the <laughs> Those days are good. We haven't, we haven't caught up in a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chalk like, my actually, hands for like, 10 actually, minutes. Kelly. That's right. So uh, I, have to, I have to meditate to, to go into the pain cave. But what ends up happening is if I'm doing those things, I find that I can do a much tidier warm-up and get into my workout very quickly and get a lot of dense work done. And then I continue to just move through the day. So it's not like I smashed myself and then I sat on the couch. And so what ends up happening is I find that I have a much better set of kind of readiness so that when the windows, Hey, I got to get a quick workout into the lunch or I'm going to quickly deadlift. I don't have to do a whole bunch of crazy prep and, and I'm just sort of ready to go. I start loading the bar. I start to feel better. What feels tight? Am I getting sweat? Good done. And I can get so much work done in 30 minutes only because, because the rest of it is covered. So we, the other thing we, um, what we noticed as we were writing this book is we feel like fitness has been packaged into these one hour increments. Mm-hmm. And we've told people, well, if you can't go do the one hour class, well, don't do anything because you've like, you know, you've missed your class. You didn't have time to go to CrossFit. So do nothing. And this really hit home for us when our babies were little and Kelly invented this workout that he called the 10, 10, 10 at 10. You knew me during this um, time. You knew Kelly during this time. I was elite. So you remember he, how elite I was? Yeah, he was elite. And he I just would remember go, the one, the one arm power clean. Oh yeah. yeah. Still there, baby. He still does yeah. that. Still do it. Um, he would go into the garage, you know, we had like young kids and we were just maxed and not sleeping much. And he would go into the garage at 10 PM and he would do like 10 air squats, 10 pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 10 times for 10 minutes at 10 PM. And that was what we actually had. You know, that's what the time we had to do at that time of our life. Like that's what we had. And, and 
it works, right? He was a, he wasn't going to get elite with that kind of fitness, but if he added in some walking and making sure he managed to sleep as well as he could and eat some vegetables on top of that, like he at least was going to maintain a pretty decent level of fitness. And so, you know, it doesn't always have to be this one hour block. You can just fit it in where you can fit it in. And that's what we've been trying to sort of expand people's ideas of what it means to be and, healthy. And, and fit. Let, let me sell this to you. If, if you're like, I think we make the case that we can invite our family members and our neighbors into our, our way of viewing the world and experiencing the world. But for our lead athletes, literally I'm working with a world champion surfer right now. And we had to, untangle fueling issues. We were just saying that not eating enough, not eating enough protein, not eating enough micronutrients, we history of injuries. Like f- this eating thing was a huge blind spot for this person. And so it's not like we don't, these are, these are fake lessons that we're learning. We're actually still applying them at the highest levels of sports and performance. And one of the things we realize is that when we have people do these things, they actually can go harder. They actually can show up at the end of a long week more intact for their families, feeling better, stoked for the weekends. Their dot just totally smoked. Just like our elite athletes turned out, they're like, whoa, I was able to handle more volume this week. Really? Tell me more. I ate this thing called a carbohydrate. It was super cool. <laughs> you know, I got more sleep and I lost my, my body composition change. So what we often think is people come at the end of the week and they're smoked and they're looking for self-soothing. They're looking for bourbon. They're looking to hit the brakes. But we say to them, you know, if you start to organize your just 24 hours slightly differently and think it differently about it, you're actually going to feel better, work harder, and show up for your family better. So I like that idea of the fake lessons. And I want to pull back to the, the walking for a second because that's what I thought the 10,000 steps actually was. I mm. Anybody that's been in the space like – Anybody, not in our space, anybody that's heard anything is like 10,000 steps. And then you get a little bit deeper and you're like, well, that was kind of made up by this dot, 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 dot. So it's like, so I was like, so fake lesson. And then all of a sudden you read Built to Move a little bit and you're like, there's, I just want to like, there's, it's not 45 minutes on a bike. It's not 45 minutes, like it's walking, like walk the bipedal thing. And the thing that got me is like, okay, every time I'm taking a step, I'm reaching that full hip extension. I'm getting a little extra stretch for all the time I sit sitting down. This is actually kind of like opening up. What I found is as I implemented more walking, Achilles issues went away. Yeah. Like now all of a sudden, to your point, I used to spend so much time stretching Achilles and hips and things are just opening up. I'm not having to spend as much time before my running sessions yes. to get ready to run. That's right. I love it's it. A, Imagine yeah, if you're like, that's you're, really cool to hear. Actually, you're, that's you're, cool to hear. You're trying to get a run in at lunch because you need to run because running is important. We think yeah. running is really important, but you've been walking around and you just, and you part, you've already gotten four or 5,000 steps. You've already just so the system is so primed for you then to quickly do some skill and go. I mean, I think, and you're just nailing it. So many times we're trying to add on these complex behaviors around decongestion and voodoo floss and compress. And but I'm like, Hey, let's look at what you're doing day to day. You're walking 3000 steps today. Like, I think we could get rid of a lot of this complexity if we just do the thing. Yeah. And, you know, there has been so much research that sort of backfilled in the 10,000 steps myth, right? Which was created by like a Japanese pedometer com- company to sell pedometers. That's where it started. Because 10,000 is an auspicious the, number. Yeah. It's, in Japan. it's like, yeah. But it's, you know, there has been a ton of research to backfill it. And the reason that we put this sort of 
low minimum at 8,000 steps is that, you know, if you look at that research in combination, it shows that, that people get all the benefits of walking in terms of longevity and, you know, decreasing, decreasing chronic disease and, you know, all the benefits of walking really you can enjoy at 8,000 steps. And for most people, that's also something that's attainable, right? For, for someone who looks at their step count and says, Oh no, I'm at 3000 steps, like 10,000 steps thinks you think to yourself, like, no way, I'm not going to be able to fit that in. But like 8,000 steps is doable with like a few 20 minute walks or 10 minute walks after you eat. It's actually really doable in sort of the context of a busy life. I think it builds up in some small incremental ways too, is like making some tiny little different decisions, right? It's like, um, you know, park your car farther away, um, choose to the, um, the stairs instead of the escalator. It's, you know, when you get up at the office to use the bathroom, use the one that's farther away. And those little, you know, you know, the aggregate of those marginal gains add up to a, yes. a lot at the end, like going, going the, the, instead of like playing catch with your kid, like play basketball. It's like those things, it's like those tiny little things, um, do add up. Yeah. It's like, you know, we think of it as like compounding interest, right? Like if you walk 8,000 steps today, like, is that alone going to change your life? But if you walk 8,000 steps in seven days and then compound that week after week and month after yeah. month, you know right? Like cookies, it really makes a difference. You can eat so much ice cream for free if you just up your step count. So like you don't actually, have to change, you don't have to change anything. Just up your step count, free ice cream. So that's the way that's Kelly. That's the way you're, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of like my community and like, they're going like, well, if 10,000 steps is good, like I'm going to walk like 10 miles. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm walking right. 10 miles. Hey, hand me that hundred pound sandbag. I, yeah, I'm going to, right. And I'm going to be with the sandbag. Yeah. Yeah. Just and a again, barbell over my head. I think if we said <laughs> backwards, we said to you 120 over 80 is your blood pressure. You'd say that's not good. It's not bad. It just is a benchmark. And I think when we give people these benchmarks, I think your mileage may vary. It may be that you feel really great when you started hitting 11,127 steps. But for me, I just, the minimum really was enough to make me feel massively better. So I think that's what's the difference is instead of arguing about where the top is, we're like, dude, we're a human being. We trust you. But we really have now given people these objectives that are based on the data, that are based on science, and then we've shown you where you can work this in. That's how we begin to move the needle. And we we really have to, in this next decade, I hope all of these super coaches, like you all, you know, we feel like we we continue to live in sport because that's super fun and that's where we learn all of this. All of these things that we're talking about came out of our work in sport. I think that's a really good place to wrap up. Juliet, Kelly, thank you both so much, not only for your time, but for the book itself. It's called Built to Move. Highly recommend it. Yeah, you guys we'll see are you guys awesome. Soon. Book is great. Uh, thank you, you guys. guys. Thank you guys so much. It was so fun to reconnect. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the show. Thank you, especially to Kelly and Juliet for their time. In case you hadn't noticed, we highly recommend their book. Again, it's called Built to Move. You can get it wherever you get your books. One last reminder, if you're not yet subscribed or following us here at the show, please do. It would make us happy. <laughs> and if you are, please consider sharing the show with a friend, a colleague, a cousin, a stranger at the hardware store. Uh, we love new folks finding the show. We hope it helps. Thank you so much. Ben and I will be back next week for a new episode of Chasing Excellence.